John chapter 8, verses 12 through 19, and 30, 31 and 32. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our Old Testament reading is Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come again and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng to lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to my God, my exceeding joy. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Join me in prayer. O Father of light, send out your light, and your truth. Let them lead us to your holy hill. Lord, not just to the physical place of worship that you have brought us here to today, but bring our hearts into a state of worship. Reveal your light and your truth in our hearts and our lives and our circumstances. Lord, minister to the hurting and the despairing. Bring forth the truth of your word to encourage your people that they may trust in you. In Christ's name, amen. In going through the Psalms, we've seen a psalm of wisdom. We've seen a psalm of confidence in the Lord. And this week, we look at a psalm of lament, a psalm of deep despair, mourning the circumstances of life. The psalmist here is crying out to the Lord. And we see this done in three verses. The first verse, he's, talk, he's talking about how he's, he's complaining to the Lord, how he misses worshiping him. And we see the first time we see a refrain is in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then we see verse 2. And it ends again with... That refrain in verse 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? And then in Psalm 43, the lament continues, and we see the actual petition to the Lord, vindicate me in these circumstances. And it ends with that same refrain, why are you cast down, O my soul? The psalmist wants to worship God, but he is in such despair and pain that he cannot get there. He's giving these physical barriers. He's physically unable to go to the place he wants to go. And it's not just a physical distance from this holy hill, from the dwelling place of the Lord, but he's also describing the enemies of God, this downtroddenness, this oppression. He can't, he can't even lift up his heart to praise God as the way, the way that he wants to. And he's remembering back to days before, I used to have such joy in praising you, Lord. I, 
Why are things this way? I want to praise you, but I can't. It's punctuated by this refrain. Each verse, you can, you can sense the psalmist reaching for a God, for a God he cannot seem to sense. He cannot see the evidence in his life. He's grasping, even just to get the hem of his garment, if any, to touch any part of him, to grab onto him and to pull him back. And then the refrain comes and he speaks not to the Lord, but to his own soul. My soul, my soul, why are you cast down within me? Hope in God. Don't, don't go the other way. Don't run that way. Come this way. And so he's there in the middle trying to grasp God and himself and pulling them. Hope in God. He is the salvation. He is my God. And so there's this back and forth, this longing for union with God that he does not feel. Perhaps you feel this way, or remember feeling this way. You have a difficulty approaching the Lord. Maybe things are difficult for you. Maybe you're feeling pain and oppression day in and day out. Perhaps you're oppressed by a person, by a deceitful man. who, for some reason, is succeeding. For some reason, is holding power over you. God, why are you not, why are you not bringing justice? I put my trust in you, you may feel. Why, why are things like this? You are the living God. And so you feel far from him. Perhaps you're having trouble entering into worship because of the circumstances of your life. Perhaps it feels like God is far away I hope that this lament will show you that you are not alone, but also that there is greater hope, that there is great hope on the horizon. He opens with the image of this deer panting for flowing streams. As a deer pants for those flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. This isn't an image of a, a peaceful scene of a deer by a river drinking water. This is a deer wandering through a desolate place. There is no water. It can't find it. Have you ever been so thirsty that your mouth is just completely dry? You can't even feel the moisture in your eyes. It's as dry as your chapped lips. So dehydrated that you have lost the strength in your body. And you crave even a drop of water, anything, any level of moisture. I want God that way. He's saying, I thirst. I need, I need to be quenched. I need the Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's longing for his presence. He wants his presence, but he doesn't feel it. He doesn't feel the presence of the Lord. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. 
He is so distraught that he's not even eating. And he uses that poetic language that I cry so much that that's, that's all the food I've gotten is when I've accidentally swallowed a tear that's ran down from my eye to my mouth. My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And here we have the first sense of what is going on in the psalmist's life, that there is some outside force, there is some oppression, something that is going on, and he can't overcome it. In fact, he's being ridiculed. Where is your God? If your God is so great, if your God is so strong, if you trust in him so much, where is he right now? Your life looks pretty bad. Where is your God? And he must be asking himself the same question. At this point, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. In the midst of his despair right now, his life circumstances right now, how he can't seem to bring himself to praise the Lord, how he can't seem to get himself to the house of the Lord. He thinks back to a time when he had such great joy in the Lord. I knew a time when I had a great, I saw the salvation of the Lord. I saw his rich blessings. I was, it was easy for me to worship. I took such great joy in worship. It was, it was the best thing. It, it was so good. I loved it. I loved it. In fact, I didn't just enjoy it. I led others in worship. I led others to worship. I, 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 I drew people in. I led them in the way. And I said, let's praise our God together. What a good time that was. He wants that back again. He recognizes that it was true, that he had a true God, a true reason to worship God. And he despairs because he cannot do that at this moment. He doesn't lift up a particular petition to the Lord in this first verse, but he cries out to him lamenting mourning, despairing his current circumstance as he grasps for the Lord he comes to the first time the first chorus where he switches his his lament over to draw himself out he says why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me an odd question because he's already explaining why he's in turmoil, why he's sad, why he's, in, why he's in despair. But there's a reason for hope. He says, hope in God. He's encouraging himself. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. His desire is to praise the Lord, not not just to pull himself up by the bootstraps and say, well, I need to just sing the song and I, or I just need to, to do the thing. No, I, I want to praise God because I, because I see his salvation. I want to praise God because he is beautiful, because he is lovely, because he has shown me his might and power and glory. How can I praise God when I, when I can't see his beauty? 
when I can't, cannot say from a truthful heart, I see the glories of the Lord and the work of his salvation. And so what his hope is, is that the, this God, this living God, as he describes him in verse 2, he's, he's not just the one who brings salvation as an external gift. He doesn't drop it off in a wrapped package. It's not something external to himself. He says, my salvation, I will praise him, my salvation and my God. Salvation is completely bound up in the person of the Lord. It is not something external to himself. Though the Bible does describe our salvation as a gift, something that is freely given to us, not earned by us, nothing that we can buy ourselves, but it is also something that, but it is not a gift in the sense that it is external to God himself. We only have the gift of salvation as we are united to Christ, as we are in relationship to the Lord. You can't have the gift without the giver in this situation. They are one and the same. He is our salvation. And so he's encouraging himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Not, I'll, I'll, I'll buck up and be happy for no reason, but I will praise him because he'll give me reason to praise him. I hope in him because he is my salvation. I know that he will come through for me. I shall again praise him. And he continues on to the second verse. My soul is cast down within me. I say second verse as in the distinction. This is really verse 6 in, the, in Psalm 42. But you have verse 1, chorus, verse 2. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mizar. Mount Hermon is in the northern part of Israel, and there you have uh, the beginning of the Jordan as it would fall down the rocky slopes and you'd hear the crashing of the waves. And there's a little dispute on exactly how to read this. Is he on Mount Hermon right now, wishing he was down on Mount Zion? Or is he in exile? Is he far away from the promised land altogether and thinking back to his homeland, to the general area of his homeland? And while it's difficult to understand which he is actually meaning, his point is the same either way. And so it's not a point to be discouraged or confused about. In one sense, you would say that if he is on Mount Hermon right now, he wishes that he were really down on Mount Zion. He's far away from the place he wants to be. If he is in exile, it's the same. I'm far, far away from the place I want to be, the land that God has, has given to me, the land of promise, the land of worship. I'm not in the place I'm supposed to be. I'm physically distant from God. I'm physically distant from home and from worship. Next it says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. 
all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. As the water pours down over the rocks, you can hear the, the loud crashing of waters in the mountain's land as they go down toward the, in the Jordan River. Deep calling to deep, you have this image of this deep reservoir of water flowing, and as it crashes down into another deep reservoir of water, the deep, deep depths of water is like it's calling out to the, this next area as it flows. This waterfall is this, this immense measure of water calls and flows to the next. And he says, all your breakers and waves, this crashing water, have gone over me. In the first image, we see a deer who is desperate for water, who he just wants to drink from a gentle stream. And in this sense, we see water, but it's this crashing torrential water, deep calling to deep, and the breakers in your waves have gone over me. And then if he is, in that one instance, on Mount Hermon, looking and wishing he was down in Zion worshiping, this, is, this would be a picture of God's judgment. I, I wish that I, had, I could drink from the pleasures of the Lord, but instead I'm crashed and just thrown about by the crashing of this water. The, the water is not salvation. The water hurts. But in the other reading, if he is far away in a distant land, then he is looking back to this day when he wasn't just desiring a little bit of water. He said he, he's looking back to a time when he had abundance of water. Looking back to a time when he, 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 he saw the depths and the bountiful water, the bountiful presence of the Lord. Verse 8 says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. He is looking back still here, to the Lord who he knows is good. He has seen his blessings. He has seen the blessings in his family and in his life and, and all the good things the Lord has done for him. The Lord commands his steadfast love by day. Because that's when I'm awake to see it. I can see how God has ordained all these good things for me. And at night his song is within me. This could be a psalm that is that is in your heart, that's repeated and is repeated or, and you're thinking about it and it's not just a song in your head but it becomes your own prayer, right? A song, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. There's songs and hymns and spiritual psalms that can embed themselves in our minds and our hearts and then they become our own words even though we didn't write them. And he turns again to lament. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? He 
calls God his rock. He's got, called God all of these good things. He is the living God. He is my salvation. He is my rock. And yet, in his situation as he's living it right now, he says, he asks, why have you forgotten me? He's feeling this great despair. The, the, the situation of his life right now doesn't make sense with the God who loves him and cares for him. And he asks, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? He's not asking literally, why am I mourning? He knows why he's mourning. It's because of the oppression. He's asking, why are my enemies able to oppress me? If you are my rock, if you are my firm foundation, if you are the place in, in, in which I can hide, I think the NIV renders that you are my stronghold. If you are the place in which I have safety, why are my enemies allowed to oppress me like this and thus lead me into mourning? Why do I mourn if I am yours? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And here we say, we hear this again, the same as before in the first verse. You have these enemies taunting and saying, well, why do you believe in this God? Where is he right now? It's reminiscent of Christ on the cross when they said, well, let him save himself. He called on God as Father, let him save him. It's a mocking ridicule. Where is your God? Again, in the second verse, he doesn't actually petition the Lord for anything specific. He's just presenting his case to the Lord. Look at what's going on. This doesn't match the love that I know you have. This doesn't match the power I know you have. And then he, he repeats his chorus, after grasping for the Lord, come close to me, draw near to me, hear my calls and my prayers, he then turns and grasps himself, his own spirit, his own downtrodden soul. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He wants to pull himself back because there is hope. There is hope in the Lord. Not that this situation is exactly good right now, but because of who God is, you can have hope that you will praise him again. He is faithful. He is true. He is the living God. He is our rock. He is our salvation. And that we can trust. And so we can also have hope that he will act. And we'll see, talk in a little bit exactly how he will act. But let's continue walking slowly through the passage. Verse 30, 43 continues, or chapter 43 continues the lament 
He calls out, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. This is the song that we just sang. Defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. There's a particular thing that is happening in his life. That there is an enemy who is deceitful, who is saying things that are untrue, that are disparaging him. And there's a whole ungodly people that are believing it. Deliver me from this injustice, from this oppression. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemies. He continues his complaint. But here in this last verse, he actually starts to petition. He actually starts to say the specific things that he needs and he wants. He says, vindicate me. That means judge me. We often think of the word of of judging as being strictly negative, but a judge declares a person guilty, but he also declares him innocent. I'm the one who, who I take refuge in you. I trust in you. I've put my hope in you. Vindicate me. They have not done that. Bring your judgment. Because I'm in pain, I am in anguish, and I need your judgment to show, to vindicate me, to show that I have trusted in you, and that the wicked man, the one who is using deceit, does not take him down from this place. Continuing his petition in verse 3, he says, Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. This is complementing that image of the deceitful and unjust man, the thing that is causing problems in his life. I need your light and your truth. I need, I need the, the actual thing. I, I want people to see what is real. I need to be vindicated. I need your light and your truth shown into my life and my situation because things are all wrong right now. And by doing that, by bringing your salvation, by bringing your light and your truth, he says, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. By God bringing his salvation, by him acting on our behalf, we are moved into worship. It's not just a physical distance thing, right? He knows the way back to the temple. He knows the way back to Zion. But he needs a reason to worship. Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. He has not forgotten who God truly is. This is the God of his salvation. The God who delivered Israel from slavery. Who carried them through the deep waters. Who preserved them in the wilderness. He knows the power of this Lord. He knows the glory of God. He is, the, he is worthy of praise, but in this moment... 
I am so downtrodden and oppressed. How can I possibly? Send your light and your truth. You are my God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with a lyre, a musical instrument. Oh God, my God. In this petition, we see him calling out for the particular, to save him from the particular things that he's going through. And we can surely say that this is, yes, particular to whoever wrote it, but it's also included in the book of Psalms, a book that is the prayer book of Israel that would have been repeated for generation after generation, calling on God, send out your light and your truth. Send out your light and your truth. We need it. We need to be guided into your holy place. I hope it seems very, very strange that I haven't talked about Jesus yet. How can you have a sermon without Jesus? Brothers and sisters, God has sent his light his truth. Behold, a light has shone upon a people in darkness, a people in deep darkness. The Father of lights has sent forth his Son, Jesus, who said, I am the light. He is the light of life. This calling out to God, send out your light and your truth, it's necessary in a particular instance, yes. In our particular days, we want, to call, we want to use this lament to call out to God. We need you in this particular instance. But God has answered it in a much bigger way. He has sent the true light, the true light of life in Jesus Christ. That people in darkness may see. That they may know where to go that the truth may be revealed and have life in him. That even though things are difficult now, that things are painful now, perhaps because of pain that you feel physically, perhaps because of a disease that will not go away that now defines your life, perhaps because of an abusive person in your family, or at your work that you just can't seem to escape. It seems dark now, but the light that God has shown through Jesus Christ will bring vindication, not just for a moment, but for all eternity. The light of life has come. He is the light, and he is also the truth. Those who are his disciples have this truth, and the truth will set them free. They would be free indeed. This is what Christ did when he came the first time. That he brought salvation. He brought light and truth. That he not only brought salvation, but he is salvation. He doesn't just say, I will bring, point you the way. He says, I am the light which shows you the way. I am the way that you walk on. I am the truth that you believe. 
I am the life that you receive. He is our salvation. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is my salvation and my God. Not just the gift giver, but the gift itself. Not just the one who grants life, but the one who has life in himself, as he says in John. There will be a time when Christ comes again. First time he brought light and life. And the next time he will do the same. He will vindicate those who trust in him. Though we are oppressed, though we suffer, he will show that he is faithful to those who trust in him. And conversely, for the ungodly people, for the unjust man who is oppressing, we should not fear him. We should not be in total despair over the wickedness of evil men because when Christ comes again, his light will reveal all things. And there's no salvation outside of him. It is Christ who stands between the verse and the chorus here because the psalmist himself could not grab hold on God and grab hold on himself and pull them together in his own strength. It is only Christ the God-man who is God himself who unites God, the ever-living God, to sinful man who pulls this side together with this side and unites us. It is in him that we have life. It is in him that we have light and truth. It is in him that we have salvation and in him alone. So I hope that for those who are lamenting, that you may take joy in the God of your salvation, who is your light and your truth. He knows what it means to suffer. He knows what it means to lament. But take heart because you shall again praise him. He is your salvation. He is your God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the word that you have given to us, that you have been faithful and true. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We hope, we, we place our hope in you, our trust that Christ will return, make all wrongs right. Lord, we lift you up, Father of lights, who has sent your Son, Jesus Christ, our light, the way, the truth, and the life. We hope in you. In Christ's name, amen.